Welcome to MTG Off the Record, where what is said cannot be used in a court of law. Hosted by the Esper Professor Shaheen Sarani and reigning world champion Brian Brondoon, the most normal thing you're going to find here are BBD's puns. Enjoy the show. Welcome to our first edition of MTG Off the Record podcast featuring the one and only Brian Brondoon and me, um, Shaheen Sarani. We are happy to be here. We've been planning to do this podcast for a long time. And now, finally, we are here for you all. We want to speak to the people. So uh, let's kick this off by introducing our esteemed colleague here, Brian Brondoon, if you'd like to introduce yourself tell us you know a little bit about you your twitter handle i'm sure you know a few people already know it but just in case you don't and uh, a few magic the gathering goals you have my friend all right so my name is shaheen sarani like we said <laughs> and uh i'm a silver level professional from virginia beach and uh my goal is to one day be as awesome as brian brown doing <laughs> God, I love to hate you. You know that. Um, <laughs> I know. All right, so okay, that's a little, we did a little uh, revert. We obviously did not plan for this, so let me uh, off off the record. Uh, we'll switch it up here. So I guess I'm Brian Brondoon. <clears throat> that's a hyphenated name, if you didn't know. Middle name is actually Edgar. Brian Edgar Brondoon. And um, you know, you could follow me at the real Brian Brondoon. Um, <laughs> And a few magic goals I have are to, you know, repeat. We want to repeat world championship level. Um, we want to. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. It's it, but the problem is a goal. It's a little lofty. You know, it's a little lofty. But I think we can do it. Uh, we will be at Worlds. I'll be at Worlds. Brian Brown doing that is. And the only other goal I have beside that is to one day uh, mirror the level of attractiveness that my best friend uh, Shaheen Sarani has. So um, that's well. That seems to be an unreachable goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, which one? Talking about the worlds or the uh, the looking? Both. Oh. <laughs> They're just both unachievable, but... No, worlds is easy. I mean, look, you, you beat a bunch of, you know, medium players and uh, achieved a, a championship title. That's great. I uh, I loved watching it. At the same time, I remember, um, you know, top eighting a really difficult standard open. And um, at that point, I was rooting for... You know, you'd be world champion. I thought I was going to get a little cut, which uh, I'm still waiting on that uh, forty dollar credit card game. That was it forty dollars? No, no, it's like a hundred dollar, hundred dollar credit card game. Hundred forty. Hundred forty. Yeah, they daggered me. I was like, okay, at least I'll get that back. You know, he won seventy k, but it actually made a, it made it sweeter for you, didn't it? Oh, it did. Yeah. I mean, I have to weigh what's what feels better: the seventy thousand dollars or the hundred and forty dollars I made up of you. <laughs> And it's really close. Like, <laughs> oh god, I really, I really was. Uh, I was hot. I was hot that day, but now I'm good. Yeah, good, good. Well, you know, we're we're glad to be here. We really, um, we love the game. We love magic. We love uh, our fans. We love people uh, coming up to us and chatting with us and asking us, you know, various questions. We love to help. Um, you'll be hard pressed to, you know, um, ping us on Twitter and not get a nice little response. Um, because I really feel like even though there are players out there that have been playing a very long time that have been, you know, wildly successful before you and I were pretty much born playing Magic, 
Um, pretty old. I don't know if that's true. But... No, we're old, but we're not magic old. You that's know? true. Yeah. I'm magic old compared to you. You've only been playing competitively since, what, you know, 2012 or 13 or something, right? Yeah, like 2012. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Well, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast because, you know, we'd love to sit here and just have our little banter. But, you know, there's some stuff out there that we need to discuss, um, you know, because a lot of things are getting bad reps, okay? And the first thing that's getting a bad rep, I believe, is the state of standards. So I'm going to ask you first, Mr. Doing, Braun, um, what do you think about standards health, the format health as a whole right now? Um, do you think it's healthy? If not, give us an example and let us know how you really feel. Yeah, actually, um, I was thinking about writing an article about this, but I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. But, uh, like, I read some articles about Standard and how it's, like, not great. Um, And I've seen people on, like, posting, like, Twitter polls or, you know, just talking on social media about Standard not being good. And, like, I actually have kind of a thought about that where I feel like every standard format has things that are good and bad about it. Um, and one of the, the key things about like a standard format is whether or not it's good is like, can you overcome the bad aspects of the format? Like some formats like, you know, in Cobblade's Dominant or whatever, like you just, you can't beat Cobblade. Like it's just, it, you know, it's just too good of a deck that you couldn't really overcome it. Oh, yeah. Or like, uh, even like last format, format, I felt like Emrakul was just too good, and like you couldn't really like. It was hard to beat Emrakul no matter what you tried. So like th- those are formats I think are kind of weak, but like this one, I don't think that there's anything that's like super dominant. And people are saying it's bad for various reasons, but I think it's just like we haven't figured out how to beat those pro, like how to solve those problems yet. It's not that they're like unsolvable. We just haven't done that yet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly right. I think I would challenge those who, you know, give this kind of the broad uh, brush of being a bad format are typically ones who are upset with standard as a whole, and you'll see um, kind of like normalized complaining about it. Uh, not exactly at the level of formats like Callblade, like you said, or even uh, pre-banning Emrakul, but those decks, you're right, we're like, you know, if you can't beat them, you better hop on board. Or here, I mean, how many? Just because it's the same color combination, I don't think black green is a deck called black green. I mean, there are. Uh, I lost. Uh, <clears throat> our team lost to um, uh, the the championship team of um, Ben Stark, Sam. Ben Party, Stark, Matt yeah, yeah, Sam Party, Matt Matt Nass, and uh, Ben Stark was playing a black green deck, and the black green deck had Grapple with the Pass, and it had all these like funky cards like Scrap Hoop Scrounger. And he was playing black-green, but it wasn't like traditional black-green. And then the round before that, you play against black-green with energy cards. And everyone's trying to figure out a way to beat, you know, the best decks in the format. And if you're changing 10, 15, 18 cards in a deck, I think that there's some flexibility there. Um, Also, you know, Marty Vehicles winning the Pro Tour is not a uh, dominant deck anymore. Like, you see it here and there. You see uh, it represented in top eights. But, like, black-green has an amazing... Like, all the variants have an amazing matchup against that deck. There's some four-color Sahili decks that can give it a run for its money. You have um, Aetherwork Marvel decks that uh, feed off of uh, all these energy strategies they could play. So I think you're right. I think you just have to... You know, this is not a format where you. I feel like you just can't beat, like, card A, B, and C. 
mainly because Wizards banned them. So I guess that kind of leads me to the next question for you. Um, <clears throat> like, how do you feel about uh, the cards that were banned, which would be uh, Smuggler's Copter, Reflector Mage, and Emrakul, um, the Promise End? Do you feel like these were cards that needed to be banned um, based on your logic of format health? And do you think it was a uh, good decision for the game? Uh, I mean, I think that uh, Emrakul definitely needed to be banned because it was just too oppressive. Um, like, it just it just wasn't fun, and it was just the best thing you could always be doing. And, like, a combination... Like, I don't mind if a thing is the best thing you can be doing, and it's, like, an enjoyable match of Magic to play with or against it. But Emrakul just wasn't fun. Like, the first time you mind control somebody and you get to, like, mess them up, it's pretty sweet. But, like, the 900th time you do it... Or, like, you know, you have to, like, do these stupid things to, like, not get wrecked when they mind control you. Like, it just stops being fun at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, Magic against Ross Miriam, I'm, like, you know, having to Obnixilis, like, not activate it to go to three, so you can't memorable me and kill it, and you have to, like, uh, you know, grasp of darkness your own guy in a turn because you're holding, uh, you know, two more removal spells, and you know, Emrakul's coming. There's just so many things that made the game play, like, in a, in, not in the spirit of way standards should be played. Like, uh, Mind Slaver effects haven't been good since, you know, Mind Slaver itself, and even then, it wasn't exactly like a standard dominant card. And this is, you know, years and years and years ago. So, like, it's, it's just not a healthy, I don't think it's a healthy, like, effect for standard, and I think the banning was great. Um, so, like, we kind of brushed upon, like, decks to beat, and I kind of mentioned a few different, like, variants of black-green. What, what decks do you think are the decks to beat? Like, if you had to give, like, uh, a ranking system, you'd have mentioned, like, the top three or four decks, if you had to break apart the black-green decks. Which one do you think is, like, the for our listeners, a deck that they should either get on board with or, you know, find a way to uh, maneuver around and beat it? Are we talking about the best black-green deck or just the best decks, period? Well, I guess best deck, if you think black-green's not the best deck, and then after that, the best black-green deck. Yeah, so actually, I have the Magic Online Championship coming up in two weeks, and I'm trying to figure out what to play in standard for that tournament. And um, I, I actually think that there's... It's hard to actually say what the best deck is. Like, it, it, black-green certainly has the most results, but I kind of feel like in a lot of ways it's kind of like a rock-paper-scissors-style format, because... I think the Sahili decks are pretty good against Black-Green, uh, but they, they kind of struggle with Mardu, and then Black-Green's good against Mardu, and then, you know, Mardu struggles with Black-Green but beats up on a lot of the Sahili decks, so it's like... I, it's hard for me to even say, like, what the best deck actually is. Um, so That's like, always a good sign. I mean, that's yeah. always a good sign if you can't say what the best deck is. So I guess instead of ordering them, you could say, like, you know, the three, like, top decks. Like, decks... Not in any particular order, the ones that are, like, you know, um, format dominating. If there's a surprise one in there, obviously we can, like, delve into that a little bit. But if it's just the norm, you know, it's just kind of just for maybe listeners who aren't really uh, engaged in competitive magic as much as we are. that haven't really seen a lot of the variants that just think black-green is just black-green. So maybe just, like, three of those decks that you think are, like, decks that you'll face round after round in the Magic Online Championship there. Yeah, I mean, I think the big three are probably just, like, Mardu... Marty Vehicles, um, some version of Black Green, uh, and then also Jeskai Sahili, or sorry, Four Color Sahili combo. Uh, I think those are basically like the big three, and then like you kind of see on a lower scale, you see things like the Jeskai Control Decks without Sahili, Jeskai Control Decks with Sahili, 
Um, sometimes you see random other control decks like Grixis. Uh, sometimes you see like, and then and then even within Black Green, like I I wrote an article last week on uh, TCGPlayer.com about like all the different versions of Black Green. I, I actually it was a long article and I it was not comprehensive because there's just so many versions of the deck. Uh, yeah. And I think that I think that really like the in terms of what the the, the better versions are that are rising to the top, I think are. Uh, the energy builds that don't play the cute cards, so like they're not playing a tune and Long Tusk Cub and Green Belt Rampager and stuff like that. And then I also think it's the uh, just the generically good version that plays like Sylvan Advocate and just like all the good creatures that doesn't really have any synergy. Like I think yeah. those are the two versions that are kind of the best. Uh, I haven't been that impressed with any like any of the Delirium Grim Flare Mindwreck versions. Uh, I wasn't too impressed with like the Long Tusk Cub version, just because it's 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 really powerful but kind of also inconsistent. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's and even within like four color Sahili, there's just a million different variations. Like some of them play Marvel, some of them play Deep Fiend, some of them play a bunch of Planeswalkers, some of them play like Cloud Blazer. Like there's just so many different ways you can build that deck. So it, it is kind of interesting. Like there's just a like, even within black-green, it's just such a small color combination, but there's, like, ten viable two-drops or whatever you can play. Yeah, I mean, that kind of leads us to what we've been discussing earlier, and then let's get to, actually, just that question about, you know, there's so many different variants of these color combinations. It's not like, when you mention Callblade, it's not, there's no black-red Callblade. You know, Callblade is just blue-white Callblade, the same cards, minus, like, three cards max. Or these decks all, even though you name Sahili decks, or you name Black Green, or you name um, Mardu Vehicles, there's so many different variations of each. Maybe the least variants being in Mardu. But even that deck can play like <coughs> Metallic Reboot and like, you know, Negates and other Counter Magic, and you see some blue spells rather than just being the three color Mardu traditional vehicle list. So I think there's a lot of different variations. But kind of like based on this topic about complaining about standard. Do you think that people complain about this standard are, you know, in the same camp that kind of regularly think that standard is uh, broken? And, it kind of, you know, before you answer the question, kind of thinking in reference to looking at results and seeing these same decks dominate, uh, and then maybe that's the reason they equate it to unhe unhealthy standard. Um, what do you think about that? So, actually, I have a theory, and you have to bear with me on this one, but... Um, because it, it's kind of loosely connected, but I've I've drawn this like connection in my mind between these things. So I think that the people who complain about this standard format are the same people who generally complain about modern, because <laughs> with, there, there Good, are sorry. Comments, including one in this in this uh, <laughs> podcast. But, uh, but basically, uh, people's complaint about modern is that. Uh, it's a lot of variance, and there's and, and like it's a, it's a it's there's not there's just so much variance and not skill. Yeah. And I think a lot of people's complaint about this standard format's exactly the same. Is like it's a lot of variance and not skill, but I think that that's just a um, wrong way of looking at it because I think that I think that's a very uh, lazy way to look at it. Actually, is what is the word I want to use. Because I think that, like, well, for one, I think that Modern has a lot of skill. And I think that this standard format also has a lot of skill. 
And the reason I think it's lazy that people say that it doesn't is because they only measure skill in certain ways. Like, right. you know, they're only measuring skill as like when I'm piloting this game of magic, you know, it are my decisions difficult? And like, that's the only skill that they consider. Whereas like, I think that like this standard format and also modern and a lot of other things, they like you utilize skills that are way different than just the normal, like, you know, which of these three spells do I cast this turn kind of skill? Like, oh, for, yeah. Yeah. like for this like format, for example, I think that um, figuring out how to win games when you're on the draw is really important because it's a very like play draw dependent format and there are ways to build your deck to maximize being good on the draw and like i mean like brad for example brad nelson his version of green black is pretty low power in general but he's figured out how to make it good on the draw in a lot of matchups and that's why he's having success with it like he he's basically figuring out that that's one of the skills of this format and playing off of that whereas like you could just be lazy and say there is no skill or you could like take the time to actually figure out what that skill is and then maximize that to kind of add uh you know cards to the theory that you mentioned i agree completely with like you know maximizing decks based to win on the draw because it is so important these days like losing the die roll and when this format first like it was unleashed after the bannings i felt miserable i was playing like one fatal push in my black green decks so or i was playing like one control decks and then i realized that four is the right number because you know when you're on the draw fatal push is fantastic and you're able to like regain you know control of the game based on you know being able to kill uh the leech on two or kill excuse me, the snake on two and then being able to like untap play your second land being able to grass on uh, there are three, you know, having more removal is really friendly for being on the draw rather than just trying to go creature for creature with them because you're not going to win in, like, blocking combat because of the counters and then having the mana untapped and able to, like, you know, meddle with you doing that. So, yeah, I think, like, the way you build your deck can definitely be uh, an avenue of skill. And the people that complain about modern, like you said, uh, typically do complain about standard, but then they complain about legacy all the way down. And it's not because of the, their lack of ability or their lack of um, ingenuity but you're right it's, it's about you know they they feel like you know since someone's playing the 73 of their 75 that there's just all you know luck involved when you have these mirror matches and you know every season professional out there will tell you um you know people that have been doing this a lot longer than us is that they yearn for these mirror matches because you know that's that's the true testament of skill often i mean it's not always the case and you're playing like you know, the Tron mirror match in modern. Why not have a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of skill involved in that? But when you're playing like uh, Death Shadow Zoo, if I pl- pick that that stupid deck up right now and play it against Brad or you or anyone that's had any reps with it whatsoever, I would get mauled because it's just a lot of uh, nuanced talent that goes even when you're playing 75 and 75. So, yeah, it, this the complaining of uh, formats is something that we're always going to have because um, you know people aren't able to to measure skill by their own standards and that actually I, I will take some self you know uh, I'll, I'll uh, put myself on the chopping block for this one with modern um, I think that modern has a ton of skill in it do I think the format's healthy uh, no and I, I kind of went on a uh, Twitter rant as you know um, <laughs> Facebook rant as you know about trying to get modern to a level that is friendly for all players that want to um you know, show off their skill and uh, ingenuity. 
And I think like right now, if you're a player like a, a Spike, all Spikes right now can thrive in Modern because you guys can pick up these great decks. It's like 50, 52, in my opinion, shades of aggro that you can play. Um, and then there's some saps that play mid-range decks like Jun and Abs and they get their clock clean tournament after tournament. Um, you know, it, it, but the, for everyone else who's picking up these best decks, for everyone else who's picking up these aggro decks, you, if you put your time and effort into modern, you can become, you can, your rewards will be plentiful. I think that you could put a lot of time and practice into it and, um, you know, achieve extraordinary results. Um, we'll get back to modern in a little bit, but really when it comes to standard, I think that we're both in agreement that standard's health right now is pretty good. I think that we're like, you know, um, we have our eyes on the prize here when it comes to, you know, making our deck maximize on the draw, trying to find the best black green variant. Um, I'm trying to find a, obviously a better control strategy here. And, um, you know, we kind of just had GP Pittsburgh pass by and the team event in Baltimore. So we could just talk like a minute about that or two minutes about that. Um, my personal experience with Baltimore was extraordinary. I was teamed with Mr. Um, Daniel Musser and Daryl Stephen Ayers, who are, you know, really good friends of mine. Uh, Daryl uh, is a... Say again? I, I didn't interrupt you here, but it's actually Stephen Ayers. Did I say Daryl Stephen Ayers? You did, yeah. Oh, well, should, well, we're really not that good of friends then, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, I call him, yeah, you know, I've never actually heard him called Steven, but you're right, Steven is his, um, you know, first legal name. That's my mistake. That's my yep. mistake. It's kind of like, you know, nobody really calls me Shaheen, I get the Shaheen a lot, which is kind of the, the female pronunciation of Shaheen, but that's okay, we'll get to that another day. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in this team, we have Daryl, who is uh, a lands mastermind it's almost like watching like art in in the process like him play lands it's just fantastic and i got to unleash my my inner esper finally in this format and i had a really good result i mean i went 11-2 personally with it and at the grand prix the week before i went 11-4 um which shows you back to the format health if i can get these records with my dirtily esper i think that you know there's a lot to be said about the format and you can actually play anything you want and then we had uh, Daniel, who's uh, yeah, he, he was just there. He, he did all right. I, I'm proud of him. He played Valakut. Uh, that deck is uh, <clears throat> we kind of set him up for failure. I begged him to play Bantel Drazi, and he was convinced by Daryl to play this unplayable modern deck. And it kind of goes into the column. Let me give you the modern column real quick, and then I'm going to ask you a question about your team here. You okay. have the aggro decks, which are good. Right, all the aggressive decks have their own like merit, and it goes with Infinity or Zoo, uh, Death Shadow, Zoo Burn, whatever have you. Even Merfolk that you see top eighting these events. Then you have the unplayable combo decks where you have like Ad Nauseum, and you have Valica, which can perform decently, but they're still going to lose in the 15 round tournament eventually, just not get there. And then you have the quote unquote like <clears throat> answers to aggro, where you have your Jund and your Abzan. And these decks still get beat by those decks. I don't care how many color guns command you put in your deck, you're still going to lose to affinity, you know, more often than, you know, uh, 30%. The numbers are just, just there. What if, you and, put, what if you put five color guns command in your deck? You know, I, I think that that still won't do it. They'll find a way. They'll play their 
you know, play their uh, champion, S champion, and just be protected. Or they'll just dispel it because they're playing blue now. Why not? I mean, they always find a way to adapt and beat you. Like, and it's just frustrating that that's the format we're in. But, you know, we had a great event. We got fifth on breakers, and I blame you for that because just being near you, like, you know, <laughs> barring, you know, the friendship, we just guaranteed and locked ourselves into a not top four berth because of, uh, you know, just this this tiebreaker illness that we got from you. It's just uh, very frustrating. I didn't know. Well, how's your team it, event? How's your team event, Mister Mister? I'm going to team with Roanokians, and you abandoned me. It's almost this is uh this is as far as cheating goes in the Magic community. You've never cheated, but you've cheated on me. If you know what I mean, you know. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I don't see it that way though. I, I think it's uh, it, it, an experimental phase. Oh, that's what they. Oh. Experiment. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I teamed up with, uh, well, I was going to team up with Brad Nelson and we were going to have Seth Manfield, but uh, he bailed on us, went to GP Vancouver. So we were we were left scrambling for a third teammate and we decided to ask uh, homeboy Jeff Hoogland. So uh, he, is, he is kind of a uh, modern guy, really likes to play modern and... Uh, Usually does pretty well with it, even playing uh, what even he would probably describe as an unplayable deck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cords, but uh, we ended up going six and three, which was all right. But we didn't we didn't make day two. Seven two was the cutoff. Uh, it was it was fun um, mostly. I mean, I played miracles and I played the mirror like five times, so it was just like. <laughs> Like I, I would, I would be like losing game one in the mirror and like find some ridiculous line to like squeak out this win, and I look at the clock and it's like 25 minutes left in the round, and I just like pulled out this miracle win to win game one, and then we like start playing game two and I'm like, I'm like really far ahead. I have like this super great hand. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna win this match. And then there's like, uh, you can stop playing. We both lost. It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> that was a fun waste of time. Yeah, that was great. That's how that's how Daryl felt because he was, but it was the opposite. He would just win his round because he, he beats. He just beats everyone with lands, and he even beat Charbelcher with lands. Do you know how ridiculous that is? That is that's pretty ridiculous. Did he just like have Chalice with a point on zero or something and just get him? Game two he did, but game three. Um, if I, I might be mistaken of the actual order of things, but he goes for it's either game two or game three where he went for goblins, and then Daryl just like flashes in ta- like flashes tabernacle. <laughs> just, like, nice. All right, well there goes uh, that. I don't think it, if you're playing Belcher you can actually ever go for that because they have like four crop rotate and four gamble, and they can just get like tabernacle and you're dead. So, but uh, yeah, I mean it was a really fun tournament. I, I had a blast, and you know next time they have this, of course you're uh, bound for life on my team forever, and you can't get away from me. Um, but we'll uh, we'll make sure we uh, find uh, Daryl Ayers, our Lance player, and you'll play some stupid aggro deck and modern and win, and I'll uh, play some unplayable Esper deck and standard, and we'll just be unstoppable. <laughs> Daryl cannot I'll lose. I'll lose a couple matches. You'll go eleven and four, and yeah, yep. Daryl will go fifteen and zero. I even beat Ben Stark in about a, it was like a 25 minute game we played, and then we, I found out the same thing you did, where I pull off this miraculous win, and I have two Dynaval Towers out, and he's playing green-black, and of course, you know, Ben's team is obviously the, uh, the, the elite squad that infiltrated the SCG event, and, uh, I was 
playing my, my butt off here, and I finally got all these counters up, and I'm just double bolting them, and finish them off, and it's epic, and I find out there's another team lost, so I had to stop. <laughs> Super frustrating, but fun. Fun event, and it was great. <clears throat> Speaking of fun events, Nationals is back, baby. Woo-hoo! Let me, uh, let me find, do we have a ball? Yeah, here we go. So, <laughs> Nationals. Nationals and the PTQ system, right? So PTQs don't really affect, you know, big time or BBD these days. But you, I'm sure you're excited for it as kind of a fallback in case, you know, in the future, God forbid, uh, something were to happen where you're not, uh, you know, skating by through, through the professional um, point system. So, so, so basically after my platinum runs out... So basically, right. Years, that's that's gonna be me again. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know, let's let's give you the the progressive fall. So you go platinum, platinum, gold, silver, and then dirt or whatever under silver. So. Bron- like then you can go <laughs> bronze, is that a- bronze, like iron copper. Ore. Yeah. Oh, if you go all the way down to iron ore, yeah, you're not even. We've skipped steel. That's sad. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> the nationals. How do you feel about the nationals? I mean, obviously. I'll, you know, I'll tell our audience for those who kind of just haven't been keeping up with uh, all the the what the here and now of Watsi's decision making. They decided to bring back U.S. Nationals and Nationals around the world. And Nationals used to be a tournament which qualified you for Worlds. Um, top four one year would qualify for Worlds and you'd be part of the World Team. That was when it was a four-person squad. And other times it was top three, and the third and fourth seat would play off. Uh, but this Nationals is going to be the top two finishers who are going to be qualified for the World Magic Cup. So, at this point, they're looking at adding professional points, but they haven't confirmed that. Um, I don't know if they're going to or not, but that's one of the big complaints that uh, the pros have. But as a non-pro, or as a silver pro, or medium pro, or diecoke of a pro, whatever you want to call me, I am stoked about having Nationals back, because that was a super fun tournament. Um... I remember being limited and standard, which made it a little bit more fun. But even as standard only, just being the national champion, like the great legendary Ali Andrasi, the last national U.S. champion that we ever had, that'd be a cool title to get back. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, actually, um, so this is kind of like I, I never played in the nationals before, so I never got to experience nationals. So uh, I don't really have the nostalgia for it that others do. And I don't really have the, uh, you know, I don't think this Nationals is going to be quite the same as the old ones were. But uh, I, I do think it's, it, it's a good change. Like, basically, for people who aren't fully aware, they, they had the WMCQ system, the World Magic Cup Qualifier, where they would run three different qualifiers in each country. And the three winners, along with whoever had the most pro points in each country, uh, would be the, the national team to compete in the World Magic Cup. And uh, the World Magic Cup qualifiers kind of kind of sucked, really, to be honest. Like, at, at least in a big country like the U.S., I, I, I can't speak for um, other countries around the world, but at least in the U.S., like, you have to fly across the entire country to play in what's basically, like, a PTQ-level tournament, where, like, if you get top 16, you get, like, a booster box or something. <laughs> and it's just, like... It just, it feels so, it felt so bad to like play in those tournaments and like travel to those events where you just get nothing. And, and like, unless you get exactly first place. So I like that they're moving to like a, a national tournament and hopefully it's like good prizes and like a fun event and things like that. 
And yeah, just just having like the national champion title is pretty cool too. Like one of the sweetest sweet things about winning worlds for me is is just that I get to have the title of world champion. And like when like Watsi like does something like if I like you know go 9-0 day one of a GP, they like re- reference me on the page as like world champion Brian Brown doing. And that's just like really cool to have that like little title to go with your name. And um, oh, yeah. that, that's that's now something that like people are going to get to have with the nationals as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the WMCQ, like the qualifying like tournaments, how miserable they were, and I can second that. I mean, people just did not want to fly to a winner take all. People in Magic, especially me, you know me when it comes to splitting, and I hate winner take all tournaments. I love to split. I split opens, invitationals, doesn't matter what I'm in. F and M pre-release. If people was all split, I kind of get sad. I, I don't like to leave with nothing or little. So I enjoy sharing the wealth and playing for playing for it all. And, you know, it just didn't happen with the uh, the old system with that. But here, you know, top eight for nationals back in the day was thousands. It was a lot of money. It, it paid like a like a super GP. And I don't know what the pay is going to be for this, but I can't imagine it being booster boxes. I, I, it's going to be, you know, some kind of cash prize Hopefully they announce it to be substantial, so it, it you know has a cost-effective uh, prize built into it, so you don't fly there and just get disappointed. Um, you know, in, so, in the tournaments, are, yeah, good. I was gonna say like you you really like you don't like winner-take-all tournaments, but uh, you, do you actually you know what my favorite like type of tournament is in terms of prizes that you might you actually might like this too. All right, hit me. It's uh, it's ninth place takes all. Oh. Oh my yeah. god. Wizards, if you hear this, alright? <laughs> you know, the funny thing about ninth place take all, you know, obviously, uh, my friend Brian here likes to suggest about how my life got ruined at Worlds in 2006 when I drew in, you know, into ninth place. Um, beside that, you know, I actually asked <laughs> Andy Hecht at the time, who was the uh, DCI coordinator. It's kind of Helene's job now, I think. May, hopefully it's her job. She does organized play, but back then the, the, the titles were kind of... Uh, like different but anyway so i emailed him i'm like you know i drew myself out of the top eight you guys gave i think they gave like chris the or someone like a, a celeb like invite i don't remember who it was back then to the worlds the next year i'm like you know i i it's top eight invited the next worlds i got ninth you know can you help me out and i just got the hard no just the just the the email like uh, absolutely not, and, you know, it crushed me. So, you know, that was just, you know, icing on the cake of that event. So I really appreciate you uh, bringing it up. You know, I, I don't think about it every day when I shower, when I brush my teeth, you know, 10 years later, 11 years later. <laughs> I'm really sad right now. <laughs> right, so, oh, well. Uh, um, yeah, moving on, then. And... <laughs> so moving on. Um, outside of this uh, Nationals and PTQs. Jesus still hasn't done. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> moving on to the next topic. Something happy, something great. Um, these tournaments in this uh, basically feeder tournaments now, the new Watsi position, is going to leave them to be uh, the format of the tournament they're feeding to. So, if you have like a qualifying tournament, it's going to be standard typically or limited if the format, like the bigger event, has those two uh, formats in it, one of those two. So you're not going to see many modern events, you know, uh, in in the qualifying realm, because the majority of these major events are standard. 
So I guess just a quick question, then we'll move to our final topic. Um, how do you feel about standard being like this, just the Pro Tour format, the qualifying format, just kind of the, the end-all, be-all, if you want to get into competitive magic, instead of having to require people to brush up on all these uh, eternal formats? I mean, it's good and bad. Like, it, it's good in that, like, people basically know what they need to do. Like, they need to learn standard. And it's good in that, like, standard is... Um, more accessible to players to initially. Uh, it's initially more accessible to players because you know standard decks maybe like hundred and fifty dollars, something like that. I, I don't actually know uh, right now exactly what these cards are costing, but um, you know maybe maybe a couple hundred bucks or something. But a modern decks could be a thousand dollars. Legacy decks could be three thousand dollars. Um, so standards a lot more initially accessible, so it's nice that uh, they made it easier for people in that regard. But um, in terms of the long term, like once you get a modern deck, you have that deck, you don't have to keep changing it. Um, whereas with standard, you have to constantly be changing your deck, whereas cards rotate in and out, or decks become unplayable, or whatever. Um, whereas with modern, you don't have to do that that much. Uh, or legacy, you can, I mean, keep playing the same deck forever, basically. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the that's the ticket right there. You just find a nice uh, GP winning list and you just never let go. That's how you do it. <laughs> you don't act like you're don't, don't act like don't want to get all high and mighty, Mister Miracles. You know, once you find a good deck in Legacy, we're good. We're just coasting. I don't think I'm getting high and mighty because I settled on a good deck. That, <laughs> what know, are you calling be... Stoneblade? Do you think Stoneblade is not a good deck? Might be an elitist thing to say. <laughs> now, um, yeah, I think that, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, but I think there's also a downside in that, like, playing these, uh, non-rotating formats, or, like, the Eternal formats, uh, they really, like, give you a taste of what Magic used to be in a lot of regards, and they give you, like, it's a lot of fun, and it's a lot of, it's very different than playing Standard, and I think people are missing out if they don't get to play those formats, so... I mean, I think, I think there's a, certainly a, a downside to, like, removing Modern and Legacy from being, like, a big part of, like, organized play. And I, I actually think that, like, SCG just kind of basically settled on the solution for it. Maybe, you know, not intentionally, but, like, that team tournament in Baltimore that we just played, like, that's a really good solution for, for that kind of a problem. Because you people who want to play Legacy get to play Legacy... People who want to play modern get to play modern. You know, it's a way to it's a way to make a format formats like modern and legacy like relevant on the GP level or professional level or whatever without forcing people to have to play those formats. Because you know, you can if you don't have access to a modern deck, you can just be the standard player on your team. Oh yeah, and the popularity was at, you know through the roof. I mean, people love this tournament. People loved watching it. People loved. You know, even prep, uh, like preparing for it, like it, a lot of people put a lot more uh, legwork into finding that their favorite, you know, modern player, legacy player, getting all their their friends together and finding the perfect squad. I mean, it has so many aspects, and, and team sports in a you know as a whole are more popular than individual sports, and you know it brings a lot more drama and you know excitement to it. So, you know, being able to kill two birds with one stone, having modern and you know eternal formats like legacy. Uh, meshed in there, like you said, 
and not forcing every individual to have like access to this kind of this kind of card pool is kind of like the best way to do it. And just to point out that Watsy's not killing off these formats, right? So they're just kind of just making them fewer and far between. And I think that I don't foresee them ever like um, nixing them in organized play. But I really and you could feel it. You feel the uh, the separation that they're trying to create. And I think that Star City can really like pick the pick up the ball and just run with these eternal formats. And you know they have just ridiculous uh, showings when they have like modern opens and legacy opens due to the rarity of them. And um, you know I, I think that these formats are not going anywhere. But I really do like the fact that if you play in a standard qualifier, you're preparing for a standard tournament, and just to help build skill, and you don't have to buy two different decks. And, and I think it's great. So. Um, I think we're going to end our segment here with the same kind of thing every week. I really like, we need a little bit of drama, you know? We need to, we need to hit some things outside <laughs> of the strategy realm. Because nobody wants to sit here for 45 minutes to an hour listening to, you know, our endless opinions of strategy. So let's uh, cue the dramatic piano here. So, um, you know, I'm actually becoming a master of technology. I don't know if you know that I learned the Twitter a few years ago. And more recently, I've learned the recording of this beautiful device here. I'm just becoming a master technician. So the next leading time my into computer doesn't work, I should call you. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely help you out. Yeah, maybe if you internet button and it didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe if you moved out of the farmland of Roanoke into like civilization, then we could uh you know talk about that. Um, what do you think about <laughs> magic players in the community? Um, being treated differently. We're going to kind of, and let me preface this question with a lot of uh, background information because I really want to get your opinion on this. And I think that this is a really important um, topic to kind of address, especially with people that are higher profile because, you know, the, the, the whole point of magic is to like be inclusive and like have people welcome and like have people uh, really like want to come out to tournaments and really want to get involved and meet these professionals and like you know idolize them and then like play the decks that they play and then one day get to that level and get to that pro tour. I mean I still get that feeling and I'm sure you do too when you go to a pro tour it's not like you know another day at the office it's still that excitement uh, you know um, people just want to have a chance to get to that level so speaking of this um, what do you think about uh, performance-based treatment. So if you perform well, um, let's say at, you know, a whole year, and you achieve like a, you know, platinum level or gold level, you're all of a sudden emerged into this professional community. And I feel like, and, I, you know, I hope you feel similar, that based on the way you perform, um, the treatment you receive is indicative of that. So if you perform well, and you're a heavy hitter, and you get into these big teams, and the teams will train you, and like you work with you, and you work with them, and you create these great lists, and you become efficient and limited, and you go there as a team, and you try to dominate these pro tours. But when your performance kind of deteriorates a little bit, or you're just not putting up the numbers anymore, I, I see this from the outside, especially <clears throat> you get dropped. Um, these friends that you have weren't really your friends in the first place. Um, it kind of gets kind of clickish, and you know, at age 33, and what are you you're like? You look about 44, 45. When you're our age, you know, you're 45, right? 46. 46, okay. You missed my birthday again. 
God, I'm so sorry. When you, when you get to our age, I don't really have time for this kind of... Um, I really don't. I really don't want to be involved in that kind of like um, drama in the community. So, basically, my question to you is: Do you think that the treatment of players is based on performance? Do you see like this happening in the pro community or even in the semi-pro community? And uh, just your general like opinion on it? Yeah, I mean, I basically like what you said at the beginning. I mean, the, ma- the match community is like it's a community of people playing a card game and. Uh, I mean, a lot of us in this community, like myself included, were not necessarily like the popular kids when we were growing up. You know, like we were nerdy. We liked playing. Like I like I was, you know, president of the chess club at my high school and stuff. You know, like we we liked the nerdier things. And um, you know, a lot of people like got bullied when they were younger and stuff like that. And like Magic is like a place where they can come and play this game with other like-minded people and it's supposed to be a very inclusive place where like you know it doesn't really matter like what your story is or uh, what you look like or who you are or whatever you know we're just here to play a game and have fun um and i think that in a lot of regards uh there is kind of a thing where i mean i noticed it personally myself uh here's actually a story is like when I was first playing magic um I wasn't like bad you know at magic that bad like I I I was I always played a lot of strategy games I was really good at chess um I had a strategic mind for like this kind of a game but you know I'm new to the game and I'm playing like my budget homebrew you know things like that because those are just the cards that I own uh and so forth and I'm like you know trading away like my good cards for like you know godless shrine or phyrexian arena or just like whatever random cards that i like to play you know trading away like all these like standard tier one cards i don't know what i'm doing and stuff just to get my deck together and like i go to the store and i play an fnm and i like beat one of like the local shop pros and like he's just a giant um jerk meaty face meaty face yeah meaty face yeah, yeah. about it like just telling me how bad my deck is and like he can't believe i beat him and all this kind of stuff like that and just like left a really sour taste in my mouth and um like funny story actually because i have a very good memory um i actually played that same guy at an open like three or four years ago and uh beat him and he was like super kind and respectful and told me like <laughs> You know that he really enjoys all the things I do. Obviously, he didn't remember me from before, and but but I remembered. Whatever, I didn't say anything because I'm 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 a very passive aggressive person. But right, yeah, yeah, you store it for later. Yeah, but it just it was to me it was just a mind opening thing where it's like, why should I be treated better because I'm, you know, a known player in the community, than somebody who isn't? Like that's just not, like to me it's like whether or not somebody is you know whether or not i care about somebody just isn't about how good they are at magic you know it's about how good they are as a person right that's yeah. our friendship in a nutshell right because it's <laughs> exactly. based on magic i mean god you would you would hate me i mean honestly like you know it, it, let me i want to piggyback off what you said while it's fresh on my mind here and it's it's the same thing that we see at these tournaments where we have our friends tell us you know that they played against this person, this person was really rude to them, and I, I hear this often, but 
I don't really experience it anymore. Like, and I'm sure you can vouch. You don't yeah. have a lot of people I that will play again anymore. Yeah. 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 People, because people are less willing to open up the salt and the, you know, the, the nastiness when they lose to us or they're getting mana screwed or whatever. I don't really, I never hear it. I never hear it. And by never, I mean, you know, once every three tournaments, maybe I'll have somebody get kind of frustrated, but definitely not to that point. But I do remember for years playing, um, before I ever wrote for Star City. I've been writing for Star City since 2011. It's been a long time. And like, before, yeah, whew, it's like before it even started. So, and before that, people would do it all the time. Like, they would lose, because you know me, I still play homebrews in bad decks. Like, I can't help it. So, I mean, people are losing to this, in this tournament, I'm playing, you know, I played a one of Gideon, or Gideon, uh, Allies in the car against Jim Davis on camera, and I show him I have one after board. He's like, you have one in the deck? Oh, come on, man. Where if I play against somebody playing these goofy cards uh, and they didn't know who I was, they, you know, there's a high chance that they would just open up this, uh, you know, this mentality. And, I, and this is going to lead me to a question for you. Do you think that guy that you played against and others that act in this way, do you think that they have this preconceived notion where they come into a match expecting to win because they're better than their opponent? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's that kind of a thing. And it's also just this mentality of, like, um, somebody is, like, basically, Magic players put all their eggs into one basket, which is, you, like, the that basket is, like, you have value if you're good at Magic. And I think that that's just, like, bad, because, I mean, people have so much value outside of how good they are at just, like, this card game. And when people put all their eggs into that kind of a basket, it's, like... If I'm better than you at Magic, then I'm also, you know, like, you're beneath me to be somebody that I interact with. Whereas, like, if that player plays against, like, a top-tier pro, they're not going to act the same way. They're going to be, like, super nice and respectful because they, you know, now they're playing somebody who's on a higher tier of the social ladder than they are. And it's it's just stupid. Like, it's, it's not a... It's not a very welcoming or kind mentality of just, like your social status is based on how good you are at the game. And that, that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I, I would hope to be an agent of change for this. I would challenge, you know, everyone when they lose. Like, you're going to be playing thousands of matches of Magic. If you plan on playing Magic, or you have been, you're going to play thousands of matches. And to get upset and to put all this your eggs in one basket and say, I need to be great at Magic, I need to beat everyone I play, and then when I lose... You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm worth, uh, you know, I'm worth less as a person. I think that kind of mentality has to be like thrown out the window. And you'll, you'll notice if you play against Brian or me, for those who are listening, uh, you know, I would, I would never, in, you know, my current state, you know, obviously being mature and older and understanding that this is just a card game, I will never open up the salt and just be like, you know, I can't believe you're playing that. You lucky son of a gun. You top deck this. You just won't hear that from us. Um, and it's not because, you know, we're just you know, suppressing it. It's just because we realize that, you know, we're playing against a human being here. You know, you're playing against an individual and it's you don't have the right to ruin their tournament experience by opening this up. And it kind of leads me to the last part of this treatment within the Magic community. You know, you, you and I have joked about kind of this, you know, this idea of elitism in the community. And, you know, I've, we started some hashtag elitist pro and that kind of cowed on a little bit. Uh, you'll see, like, you know, 
the best of the best using the hashtag kind of in a facetious way. But you don't they don't realize that we actually mean it. Like, you know, we that, we don't want this. That, like, actually, that it, actually bothered me a lot, um, to be to be completely Handed. Oh please, yeah. Open up. Let us know because you know it's just something that we both kind of are thinking. Let's uh, let's get out there. Off, the, we're off the record right now, so it's okay. No one's <laughs> yeah, gonna, we're, we're off the record. Yeah. So go ahead. Um, but yeah, like there, there was a you know some drama that happened like last year, and one like you know one of the words that got thrown out was elitist to to describe a certain group of players basically, and that later became like a hashtag that people used like ironically or you know jokingly to make fun of the notion and it, it bothered me that people were using a hashtag like that because it like when when you use a hashtag like that jokingly you're saying that it's not a real issue or you're making fun of the issue as though like it's you know like a joke basically but i don't really yeah. consider it actually to be a joke and so it, it really bothers me like you uh, you'll never see me at least I hope. I don't remember if I've done it. But <laughs> never see me using that hashtag or whatever because it actually like is a real thing to me that I think is important. Um, and it, it kind of bothers me when people do that. But uh, basically, like I think that there's a lot of players who are are elitist. And when I when I say that, I don't mean like what I mean by that is that um, they kind of. Uh, are, you know, they're at the top of the game and they kind of only see things through their own lens. And that's kind of like, like, I, I think most of the, most of the magic pros are, are actually really nice people, uh, deep down and they're, they're, they're good meaning people. Like I don't have any, uh, issues like, you know, with them as, as people, it's just that I think that there's a, like a flaw in how they view things. Um, because they only really see things yeah. through their own bias and their own, um, their own eyes and they don't see how things affect other people besides themselves or people like them and that's kind of the what you know what I mean by elitist is like you know they're they're the, the one percenters of magic and um, whenever they push for changes to be made it's always to benefit themselves without regard to how it affects you know the hundreds of and you know the tens of thousands of magic players around the world who aren't part Elites. of that one percent and like yeah. that that i mean i feel like then that's like that's a that's a problem is that like you have to look through things through more than just your own perspective and i mean a lot of times like i'll push for a change um that doesn't actually benefit me personally just because it it, it i think it's better for the game of magic as a whole and i want to see magic be a successful game and continue to grow and, it, yep. and it, like that's the you know I, I guess the thing is like you want you you have to look at the big picture beyond beyond just your own personal experience. I agree, and you know to add to that, there's been times where I've gotten behind movements just like you have that have not benefited me. Uh, removing of the DCI ranking, I knew it was a flawed system. I took advantage of it forever. The ELO ranking for those who were playing back then and you were basically invited based on your rating um, and my composite rating was I was second in the world at one point right after LSV for a very short period of time and it's just yeah. because I would go to these pro tours and just break even I would have like a, I would get like you know, 58th place and I would 
have enough wins in my constructed to keep it up there, and I'd go to the next pro tour. It basically, basically it was like the old man qualifier. It was just qualifying these same old players that didn't play any events and would just go from pro tour to pro tour. That's what I did. It was a stupid system, man. You know, I'm glad it's gone. Yeah, um, I remember actually when I, I mean, that was a system when I first kind of started playing, and I kind of started working my way up at a bit, and you were always at the top, because like, we were both, we, we both live in Virginia, so I would always check the state rankings, and I'd be like, you know, number third or something in the state, and she was always up there at the top, basically. And it was manipulated, it was, you could manipulate it, like, you just don't play in events, and, you know, that's not the, the you know, the way the game should be played, um, but yeah, so that system was kind of messed up, um, and even, like, my Jace argument, I know right now, the big topic on uh, Twitter, I kind of brought up uh, two days ago, I started talking about, uh, was it two days ago? It was yesterday, excuse me. So it was yesterday morning, I mentioned how Jason MindSculptor Wise is still on the ban list and kind of create a big hubbub about it. We got a lot of professionals involved, a lot of uh, mid-level and just casual people all kind of joining the conversation to the point where Aaron Forsyth said he's going to, he's heard the chatter and he's going to, quote, discuss it with his people. Which is great, and I that could be construed as something that would benefit me. I don't think I'm going to win more in modern with Jace or without Jace. I just really it hurts not to see like a live archetype that could be competitively powerful. And we actually don't have time to really bring this whole topic up and debate it. I know we probably differ a little bit there, but the point being, I I think personally that Jace and or anything being unbanned, even when it was Softer Foundry, needs to be done to help modern be a better format not just for me but just for everyone i think the dci rating was silly needs to go i think this nationals creating nationals is a fantastic tournament for everybody it's not gonna really benefit me much um i might not even go to it based on my work and everything but i think it's just a super fun tournament for people to go to i think like you said we have to just take um <coughs> ourselves out of the picture and just think about the game as a whole because this game has been going on for 20 plus years and if we want it to be solvable and just continue to grow i think we can't look at it through the lens like you said of just uh the one percent i'm i'm definitely maybe the 10 percent you're probably in closer to five percent there if we're going there right <laughs> but when it comes to just looking at it through the lens of those you're right it's one more thing i wanted to mention with that is the, remember when the platinum cut uh, benefits were cut um, yeah. last year? Who came out to support the pros? I mean, everybody from you know Timmy's at the kitchen table to Spikes at the PTQ level. Everybody said this is outrageous. This is just a crazy thing to do. And then the pros were shocked. I mean, you saw them tweeting like, "I cannot believe that people." Basically, they're saying, "I can't believe that people stood up for us like this." And I find that to be humorous because. It shows you that, you know, this is what magic's about, right? People supporting all aspects of it. And um, I have used the hashtag ElitistPro um, before on Twitter, but I was never ironic about it. I When I used it, <laughs> when I used it, I meant it. And a friend of mine, a, a platinum friend of mine, um, said our first, you know, uh, episode is going to be Shaheen's mini pro list. And... I'm not going to put anyone on blast. I, people know who those who kind of uh, put this value on you as a person based on performance. People know who those people are. And I think that that's becoming less and less popular. It was a lot worse. A lot worse. I remember back in Worlds 2006 when I uh, drew in the ninth and 
people, you know, I was the last American in contention. I remember walking upstairs. It was at the Louvre uh, in Paris. It was awesome. And I walked upstairs, and Luis Scott Vargas waved me over, and he basically said, you know, hey, you're one of us. But not really. It was more like, hey, come hang out. You know, one of these things. He was very open about it. Because LSV is the man. Um, but, you know, if everyone was like that, and basically said, you know, you, you didn't get top eight, but you performed well enough, and, you know, you're we've seen you play and you're a good person and I want you to be a part of it a part of our community that that would be like that would definitely solve a lot of the problems that we are in right now when we talk about you know this uh, lack of inclusion but um you know people need to be more like the Brian Braun doing of course of the world you know you uh big time now um we were friends before you uh won a PTQ when you were god awful at the game um you know so that's that, that's not going to change, and I I implore players that you know find themselves climbing the mountain and reaching success to never forget that you're playing a game, playing as human beings, and then people um, you should be better, you should be looking out for the people that you've already called your friends, the people that you're going to meet, polite, inclusive, friendly, and then uh, you know you'll the game will be better for it, and then we'll be better for it. Um, is there anything else you want to add to this topic before we uh, do our conclusion here? No, I mean that, that that's good for me. Like, um, I, I could I could ramble about this forever, but you know I, I think that we hit on kind of the important stuff. Like, I mean, just the key is just like yeah, like uh, kind of what you said at the end there too. It's just like you don't have to pick and choose your friends based on who's good at magic. Like, just you know, look, look a little bit beyond the surface of, and, and, and put a little bit less value just on skill at magic. And, and like, you know, people like I meet people all the time at tournaments who are like my favorite people that I meet at tournaments are rarely like the top level players. It's just the people who are super nice and friendly and like, yeah, they, they have a job and, a you know, maybe like they have, you know, a husband or a wife, they have kids or something and they're not like super serious about magic they're probably not that great at playing magic but you know they're just a real person and they're like a nice person to be around and it's just like that you know that is something valuable and i think that like if we only care about like people's skill in the game or you know all that kind of stuff like we really lose sight of like what's actually important which is just you know playing a game and enjoying ourselves oh yeah and I'd love for you to give some examples, but the problem is, you know, if we give examples of those players, we're admitting that they're really bad at magic, but good people, so... We'll, uh... <laughs> I do have actually one example. I don't think the person uh, would mind. Yeah, don't worry about it. You don't need to say it. You only say it. I don't think the person would mind, so I'm actually going to give one example. Oh, is it, is it a uh, Persian friend of yours, or...? Actually, it is. It is. Oh, is it is it Ali Andrasi, or...? No, he's Lebanese. It's Shaheen Sarai. Oh. <laughs> Nice try, nice try. <laughs> Try to squiggle out of that. All right, well, you know, Brian, you know, I love you. This is great. Um, for those listening, I really appreciate uh, coming from BBD and myself. We appreciate you listening and being a part of this, and um, we really would love some feedback. So when we post these on SoundCloud and YouTube, uh, we're going to get some Twitter links, and so make sure you're following us, and you'll be able to see the updates. You'll see the link, and you'll click on it and listen, and um, be sure, please, to give some feedback and things that we can do better or things that you loved about it that we can enhance. And, um, yeah, so thank you for listening and 
Uh, this is MTG Off the Record. Have a great one.